if I have a business that's interested in looking into advertising, like they have a budget, they're ready to see what kind of results they could get. Um, there's a couple of things that I tell them they need to be thinking about. And the first one of those is that, do they really understand their customer? And are they able to create content that gets their customer to react or engage in some way? You're listening to Every Successful Rancher, a rural lifestyle and business podcast for women of the West. I'm Sarah Elrod, your host, serial entrepreneur and small town homemaker. I started this podcast based on an old saying my husband once told me, that behind every successful rancher is his wife that works in town. Around here, you can expect a perfect mix of Western living, homemaking, and business strategies to grow your brand online. Get ready for the real, the raw, and the rural. Welcome to Every Successful Rancher. Well, hi, Lexi. Welcome to the show. I'm super stoked that you're here and willing to talk with us today and just share about your life and your business and um, just kind of all your knowledge in general that you have about marketing and online presence and farming. I was doing some of my <laughs> uh, guest interview prep, and I'm just really excited to hear kind of that perspective that you have and that you bring to like rural communities and farming communities. Cause I think that's, um, obviously really important in today's day and age with social media being what it is and everybody needing an online presence and, um, just how you found that it helps those kinds of smaller communities, um, and things like that. So before we totally jump in though, I would love for you to introduce yourself for anybody who doesn't know who you are and what you do. Do you want to just go ahead and Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here and chat with you today. Um, my name is Lexi Wright. I am located in Kansas, and we are in a unique position where we are the sixth generation on my husband's family farm and ranch, um, but we are actually beginning farmers. Um, we started from scratch when we got married, and we're making a go of it on our own until the opportunity came up to buy my husband's grandmother's farm. Um, and so we just did that last year and got all moved here and settled in. I have four kids. So this was a big transition for us to, you know, move all the cows, move the kids, move everything that comes with moving a farm, which was, mm. oh man, we knew it was going to be hard, but it was hard. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I work from home. I own a, an online marketing agency. We focus on advertising and that allows me to be super available for my kids and when they're sick and come home from school unexpectedly um, and also to be super available on the farm um, to help out when things are needed. So it's like the perfect setup for me. I worked really hard to get to this point, but honestly, I'm just really thankful for the opportunity to be able to live this way. Um, and yeah, that's kind of a little bit about us. We're a diversified farm. So we do cattle and we have um, about 70 acres of row crops. That's cool. So have you, so did you always, so you didn't always work from home, but you guys have, you've been ranching and farming for a long time. What did you do before all of that? Yeah. So before I worked as a communications manager for the state department of agriculture, gotcha. um, and I really enjoyed that role. I got to work with small businesses. It was part of the brand management program. Um, so we worked with small and growing businesses that were related to agriculture. It was honestly like a dream job. I learned so much and got to meet so many cool people. But ultimately, with four little kids, my kids are all under the age of seven. 
it just got to be too much to be out of the home all the time. Um, and I had a big passion for what I was doing. So I wanted to be able to continue it in some way. Um, so that's how I kind of got started with my own marketing agency. That's really cool. So you decided to just start your own business as a way to be able to stay home with your kids. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. I definitely do. That was something I knew I always wanted to do too. And I wanted to be able to, you know, not have to take my kids to daycare or pass them off, especially I feel like when you live rurally or just away from family or whatever that might look like, you know, that's not always an easy option. I mean, we don't have, you know, a lot of childcare options around us. And so um, it was always just really important to me to be able to have my kids at home with me and to eventually be able to do, you know, like a whole family business and and just have everybody involved. So I think that's really cool. And I absolutely, I do want to be transparent. We do have daycare. Um, so that's something else I'm really thankful for in our small town that we're able to access. Um, and it's made it possible to grow my business larger, um, but still have that flexibility that, you know, if the kids aren't feeling good, they don't have, like, I don't have to worry and stress about calling in sick and figuring all that out. So, well, and that's, that's like a good point to bring up too, is because I feel like, I've had to learn this being a somewhat new mom is when I was pregnant with my son, I told myself like, oh, nothing's going to change that much. Like I'll still have my business and everything's going to be the same. And, you know, I'll just pop this baby out and business as usual. And I mean, it doesn't, you can try as hard as you want and things have to change. And now I joke about it with our second coming here pretty soon. And I'm just like, I have a two hour work day. Like that is just my life. And I have to either scale back in certain parts of my business, or I've had to just pivot a lot and kind of just figure out different priorities for things. And it's been really good growth in a lot of ways. And it's kind of really made me prioritize certain things, but yeah, if, if there's help, like there's no shame in getting help either, you know, bringing in a nanny or, or having a daycare or or anything like that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a good point to bring up too. Um, so that's really cool. How, so how long ago did you start your marketing business? Um, well, unofficially, I guess I've been like freelancing and taking on projects back all the way back to when I was in college. And it's kind of silly that I didn't realize back then that this was what I should be doing. Um, (laughs) Cause I went the whole career route first. I actually taught high school agriculture for a year because I had a great experience with FFA and I wanted to do that. Um, and I, then I worked in a couple different communications jobs until I finally arrived here and I started my own full-time business six years ago. I have to go by one of my kids' birthdays because I um, started right around the time he was born. So that's how I kind of keep track of it. That's cool. That's really cool. And then, so you said you have four kids all under the age of seven. How is that? Because we think we want to have four kids one day. And (laughs) now having one baby that is like super crazy and we're bringing a second one. I mean, I still think I want four, but man, I have to hand it to people that have four plus children because it's a lot of work. (laughs) It is. um, And it definitely like it works differently for everybody. For us, um, we knew that we wanted four kids at least. We we were like four kids minimum, and yeah. then we'll see after that. And when we got to four, we we're like, no, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, this is fine. Um, yeah, but we so that each of them are eighteen months apart. And honestly, like I don't know how in depth we want to go here, but I um we we planned that strategically. Like we stopped 
nursing with my oldest or like with the one that was older about the time they hit nine months to a year so that we could have the next one. Um, And that worked out really well for us. Honestly, I didn't feel a lot of the like craziness of having four kids until our third one came. Um, And part of that is I think the personality of the third child just adds a whole new dynamic that it's like, (laughs) whoa, where did this come from? Yeah. Um, one to two was not hard at all. I was like, this is awesome. Like we could have six. It'd be no big deal. Um, but yeah, that third one, when you get outnumbered, it's like, oh gosh, changes (laughs) things a little. (laughs) It does. It does. Um, but yeah, we honestly, we're just very thankful and blessed to have all four of them. They are all different and unique in their own little ways. And, um, it's just a joy to be able to have them out here, like at the farm, with us all the time doing stuff. And some of them are more interested in the farm activities than others. And that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just fun to be able to share doing what we love with them. I mean, it's such a cool lifestyle to grow up in, whether they know it or not, they'll appreciate it one day is what I tell myself. But (laughs) it's, it's like, you know, not very many kids get the opportunity to work with their hands and like work alongside their parents and do things that, you know, their, their parents get to do and and be a part of that and actually watch the work go into things and and to build something that can be passed off onto them. You know, that's just not always a possibility for so many kids. So I just think it, it just teaches kids such a good, so many good life lessons in so many ways. So that's really cool that you're bringing your kids up in that kind of lifestyle, whether they stick to it or not. Yeah. <laughs> One long-term. It'll serve them well wherever they go. <laughs> right. I know. I joke about that a lot too. I was always like the crazy horse girl. And I'm like, my kids are all probably going to hate riding horses and they're one, they're not going to want anything to do with it, but <laughs> I'm going to sure try my hardest Yes. to push them on it. <laughs> Yeah. And for them to see you doing something that you love to do, like that's powerful in its own right. Even if they don't enjoy the same things, just to see you doing stuff that you love to do, I think is really important for kids there in our society today. I think it's so easy to get sucked down to this. Oh, have to go to work every day and life is rough and that kind of thing. And if, as long as you can still be doing stuff you love and they get to witness that, that's, that's a good thing for them to grow up seeing. Oh yeah, for sure. It's so good. It's so important. So what would you say like with your marketing business that you've started, you know, I, you've really leaned into like farmers and and the farming industry and helping people, you know, rurally and all that kind of stuff. What, I mean, I'm sure just because that's your lifestyle, you were kind of passionate about helping other people do that, but what really pushed you into wanting to lean into that specific niche? And then what's kind of been the biggest, like overall lessons that you've like learned since doing that. And that like, if there's maybe like common problems you've seen in that industry. For sure. Um, I actually didn't start when I started my marketing business, I didn't specifically focus on agriculture or rural businesses. It just kind of started to happen. Um, And I realized a lot of that was because those were the problems that I understood. Those were the ones that I like had that firsthand knowledge of. Um, and some of the things I think that are common around that is that there's a lot of marketing agencies out there, but there are not that many marketing agencies that understand agriculture from an actual like business standpoint. Like they understand, yes, you have cows and you have crops and blah, 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 but they don't know the lifestyle and all the things that come with that. And so that's mainly just that connection to people 
is what basically kept pushing me to focus mainly in those areas. And then as I um, learned a lot in college and post-college about rural communities, I grew up in a rural community, but I never really considered that that was like a unique thing to have <laughs> that I grew up in a rural community. <laughs> and it was, and that it, it's something that's not necessarily guaranteed for our future. Like rural mm -hmm. communities are not a guarantee that they will continue. Um, there's a lot of value that they provide both to the people who live there and to society as a whole. And once I started like looking more into that and learning about the sociology in rural communities and like how they became to be and how they're evolving, I was like, this is important. Like this is stuff we have to be paying attention to. And we can't have rural communities if we don't have businesses there to sustain the people that live there. Mm -hmm. So that, that's where a lot of my focus focus and passion around this came from is just knowing that that's an important way of life and that we have to intentionally preserve it and invest in it or it will not necessarily continue to be so yeah no I mean that's it's so true like I feel I mean there's a lot of rural communities out there still but it's it's crazy how much the city and the big life is like coming in and pushing in and, and just trying to you know diminish those small town businesses and things like that. And big corporate America is trying to push its way in. And, um, you know, it's, it takes people like you out there to advocate for this, this kind of lifestyle and these people to show the importance of this. Um, so I think that's really cool. Would you say you work with mostly older generation ranchers and farmers or like newer generation or kind of a mix of both? It's getting to be a mix. Um, when I started out, it was definitely mostly older. Um, and I think that was another reason that I kind of got sucked into that is because I started to understand that a lot of my clients didn't understand how online marketing worked and they didn't really care as long as it worked. So that worked really well for me at the beginning because it was just a totally results driven um, marketing thing. Like they were like, I don't really care what you're doing as long as it's working. And so that gave me a lot of freedom to be creative and to test things and try different strategies to find what worked with them without them being like bogged down or worried about the logistics of it. Um, and so that was a real blessing in disguise. And through doing that, um, I've learned a lot of things that work <laughs> online for businesses um, and kind of how to approach those challenges that I might not have learned if I'd had clients that kind of like held the reins back and were like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> So that's yeah. been a big blessing. Um, and I think just like having kind of back to your idea of rural people are important. Like the other big thing I see around that is we have to create opportunities for young people in these rural communities. And that comes from growing businesses so they can have jobs. If we don't mm -hmm. keep our businesses growing, where are they going to work? Why? What reason do they have to come back and to be here if we can't create those opportunities for them? Mm. That's so good. You said a lot of good things because the first thing that I was thinking of when I asked you about the older generation thing was like, I was wondering if if like those older generation farmers and ranchers didn't see the value in online marketing and social media or, you know, if you if that was like any sort of barrier you had to kind of come across of like trying to show them like this can help you. Um, cause I mean, I just know there's like a lot of people that could be really stuck in their ways, especially if they've always done it a certain way. Um, that can be like a big, you know, thing to cross. Um, 
And so I could see that, you know, you having to basically sell it to them of like, yes, this is where the world is going. We need to get an online presence. Um, but you also made a good point about the providing opportunities for younger people in these communities too. Cause I think that's so true. And it, it kind of sounds like a cheesy, like, I don't know, Hallmark movie of like the farm boy that grows up, you know, on the farm and then hates it and wants to leave town for the big city dream or whatever. And, um, you know, it's kind of that cheesy idea, but at the same time, it's kind of true. Like, you know, there's, you have to make sure there's things for people to do. And, and these younger people growing up in these towns have to make sure that there's those opportunities for them to stay and to want to grow in those smaller towns. Um, so that's a really good point. Sorry if you can hear my child screeching in the background. He's like, he's like throwing things and I'm just, you just live your life over there. <laughs> this is nothing new to the show of having my child in the background screaming. So <laughs> we kind of just roll with it now. <laughs> the, you know, the background soundtrack. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's, it's all good. Um, I've learned to just ignore it and just roll with it. <laughs> um. So what would you say are kind of the main things that you would focus on? So let's say I'm a farmer or a rancher that is coming to you. What would be like some of the big key things that you would want me to focus on to grow my business or like what, I guess this is like maybe a two-part question. What would be the things that you'd want me to focus on? But also for anybody listening, because I kind of had this thought earlier too, is there might be people listening if they're unfamiliar with this industry as to what an online presence could even do for this kind of industry? Like, okay, what would be like, what's even the point of doing it? So maybe you can touch on both of those things. That was a lot of words. Sorry. You're good. <laughs> so um, a lot of the, the businesses that I work with are ag businesses or rural business. So they're serving farmers and ranchers. Um, some of them are farmers and ranchers who are selling their products direct to consumer, but a lot of farmers and ranchers in rural communities are still selling the conventional way of at the sale barn or at the co-op. And so those folks who are doing that marketing services for them are not like online marketing for them is not going to be as valuable. It can still have value um, in like building a brand so that when you take your calves to the sale barn, people recognize you and know that you're coming and are looking forward to your calves coming. Um, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more of a distant value there or a long-term value. Um, so a lot of those folks that are serving farming, farmers and ranchers or rural communities, the biggest things that I think that we need to focus on with them is number one, to have all of your ducks in a row online. So what does that mean? That means, um, knowing where to find you. So you need to, this is like my biggest pet peeve is I will see an ag business put up a website, put up a social media profile, and they're a local business. They're not like a nationwide brand or anything, and they don't put where they're located. So I can come across them and I'm like, where the heck are these people? Like, are they in Kansas? Are they in Canada? I have no idea. <laughs> like, um, so that is a big thing. Make sure you put where you're located. Make sure you give your customers a way to find you if they need to contact you. And I tell people often when they're starting out on social media, to limit this because you don't want to have to be checking your Instagram profile and your Facebook messenger and your LinkedIn messages and your Google business messages, like limit this and make it really specific about how they can contact you if they want to get in touch. 
Usually that's going to be an email or it's going to be like a contact form on your website, whatever it is that works for you, give them one way, be like, you need information. This is it. This is where you find me. Um, and it puts the responsibility on the customer to, to take, like contact you in the way that they need to, instead of on you as a business owner with a million other things to do, to go check all these inboxes. That's the second thing. And the third thing that I would say is to start learning about your customer. That's the most important thing you can do if you're thinking about investing in content marketing. So it doesn't matter if you're going to be putting stuff out on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or building your website. You need to understand who your customer is and why they would be willing to buy from you. So knowing their values, knowing like, are you mainly selling to men or women or young families or what that looks like? That's going to allow you to talk about things that they care about. And a lot of times, um, this, you may already know this, you may not just not have sat down and kind of outlined it to think about it. And it's probably going to change how you talk to people and talk to your customers when you do this. Um, even if they're things that you already know, just sitting down and listing it out so that you know what your customers values are, what they care about, how they're finding you to purchase from you. Those are the things that are the very bottom baseline that you need to do before you're going to take next steps online. Yeah, no, that's all like so good and and such good things to think about as far as like like coming up like thinking about who you're talking to because it could be different for everybody. But like you were saying how you were touching on your like finding your ideal person and who you're talking to. I think that stuff is all so important because like I was just thinking about this this the other day and that's really relevant for any kind of business and whatever industry you're in, but if you don't know who you're talking to, you're kind of just talking to everyone, which really means you're talking to no one, you know, you want to really hone in on those specific people. And you make a lot of good points as far as like, for the the farms that are, you know, doing things locally, that they need to make it clear that they're local and that they are where you're located and all those things. Um, would you say that there is a platform in your experience that has been the most successful for your clients or do you recommend people kind of get on a variety of platforms? Would you say to start with like one specific one? What's kind of been the best for for your clientele? It's definitely business specific. So you have to, again, know your customers, know what platforms they are hanging out on. But when it comes especially to advertising, um, I would say Facebook is definitely mm -hmm. the most lucrative in terms of making sales online. So not necessarily brand building. You can do brand building on any platform successfully. But when it comes to people actually like clicking a link and pulling out their wallet, Facebook is the most lucrative, best return on your investment for marketing. Yeah. Um, and that's honestly pretty true across industries at this point. I would say really the only exceptions would be like clothing or skincare type brands. Those typically do better on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, but pretty much everything else. And honestly, even sometimes those do better on Facebook. Uh, that's kind of what I was thinking for this industry. Like I, I kind of had a feeling it was probably leaning into more of that. And I think especially more for like local businesses, I could see Facebook being a better, um, like ROI place. Do you do, do you suggest people run ads or is it mostly organic or kind of a blend of both? If you're going to run ads, I tell them they have to do organic also. You can't just run ads and have a faceless brand on your page. 
um, you need to be doing both at the same time. You don't have to run ads. Um, I think there's lots of businesses that are very successful with organic only marketing, especially as they grow. So typically, if I have a business that's interested in looking into advertising, like they have a budget, they're ready to see what kind of results they could get. Um, there's a couple of things that I tell them they need to be thinking about. And the first one of those is that, do they really understand their customer? And are they able to create content that gets their customer to react or engage in some way? Until we can do one or of those things, then it's really not worth investing your money in advertising. Um, because one, you're not going to know who to target. So you're going to target like a wide mass of people or you're going to target the wrong people and waste your money. Or mm -hmm. two, you're going to target the right people, but you're not going to say anything that's meaningful to them. You're not going to be able to capture their attention. Marketing is 100% an attention-based industry. We are always competing for people's attention and trying to cultivate their like continued interest. Um, so if we can't do either of those things with organic marketing, we're not going to be able to do it with advertising either. So yeah. you do kind of have to take a, an approach to them hand in hand, in my opinion. Um, and then I think it, you do need to be able to have an ad budget that you can invest in your advertising for at least a couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's totally great to do tests and like small campaigns to see if it's the right fit for you. But you need to do that for probably about 60 to 90 days versus just like one week. And be like, oh, that didn't work. It's like, well, it was only a week. So you don't really know if it worked for you or not yet. Like we have to test and tweak things to know if it's to, to make sure we're getting it right to get you the results. Hey, really quick, I had to interrupt this episode to let you know of some really amazing news. Because you are such a loyal listener, I wanted to do something for you to give back for all the generosity you have shown me over the years. So because you're a listener, you can get 10% off anything inside of the Sarah Elrod shop. There's everything from Western graphics to social media templates, literally so much more. Just use code RANCHER10 at checkout and you'll get the savings. And PS, if you join the Patreon for the show, you get an even bigger discount, but you have to join in order to get those exclusive discount codes. The links to the shop and to join Patreon are all gonna be in the episode description, or you can go to sarahelrod.com shop. That's a good point. So what would you say, you know, so like you said, 60 to 90 days ish range, um, you know, probably longer than what maybe people are or thinking it would take or, you know, in your head, you think, okay, like I'm going to try this for two days. And if I don't see anything, I'm going to stop paying for it. Um, and that's just not how it works. But I know that you've mentioned before that there are ways of kind of tracking if ads work other than just if people are purchasing from you. Is there any way for maybe people that are like total ad newbies, like how to kind of know if their ads are working or what kind of things that they should be looking out for? Yeah, absolutely. So the best placed um, places to look and see if your ads are working are going to be inside the Facebook ads manager. So I'm um, it's going to get a little tech heavy here for a second, but yeah. we have to be running ads in meta business suite. Um, there is ways to run ads outside of that on Facebook and Instagram um, where they just make like quick, easy little buttons, like boost this post or run an ad, but that is not the best ad experience that you can do for your business or for your clients. Um, you have way more options. You can collect way more data. 
on the people who are viewing, clicking on, and looking at your ad if you do it in Meta Business Manager. Um, so that's the first thing. What you're going to do is you want to set up an ad. You're going to get to like choose your audience, choose their location, choose things that they're interested in. You're going to write the copy for your ad. You're going to put a picture or a video or whatever you want to put in there. And then you're going to let it run for a minimum of five days. Five mm. days is the minimum. If you only run it for two days, that's actually 48 hours is how long it takes Meta itself to like position your ad to the best people they think it should go to within the target audience that you've selected. So if you're only waiting two days and then you're shutting it off, Facebook hasn't even had time to position it correctly, really, and, and to get those results for you. Um, so that for, that's the first thing. Once you've run it for those five days, like you're going to want to look at how many people are clicking on it, how many people are doing outbound clicks. So in, in advertising, we can see if they just clicked to like view the picture or read the rest of the copy, if it's a longer copy, or we can see if they clicked on the actual link. So we want to look at the frequency, which is the average number of times that it's being shown to one person. So like your ad might be shown to the same person more than once. And the frequency, if it's like 2.5, that means that on average, a person saw this two or three times before you ended the ad or before taking action. Um, so those are a couple of things that we want to look at on the ad. And then we also can look at the demographics of who was interacting with that advertisement. So we can see the gender, the age, the geographic location. We might be able to see like interests that they shared. Um, we can see where, what type or what placement of ad it was that they viewed. So if they viewed it over on the right-hand side of their desktop, or if they were on their phone and it was in their marketplace newsfeed, but things like that, like a lot of details. Mm. Um, and that kind of starts to paint you a picture of the type of people who are most willing to interact with your advertising. And it helps you, you can narrow down your audience a lot more based on this too. If you weren't really sure if you had the right audience, this is either going to confirm or tell you, no, no, this is not right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second place that you want to be looking for this information at is on your website. And this is where mm -hmm. it becomes really valuable to have a website structured that allows you to see your data. There's a lot of website building platforms out there that don't let you see the analytics behind the scenes, or they're just like, this is your single page website and you don't have anything to go on to know how people are using your website. Yeah. So I recommend using Google Analytics to um, connect your website. It's basically just a way for you to see more information about how people are using your website. You know, where are they clicking? What pages are they visiting? What traffic source are they coming from? So are they coming from Facebook or are they Googling you or what's that look like? And then a lot of times it'll show you the demographics again as well, their location, their gender, their age range, what kind of a device they were on, if they have common interests, things like that. Mm. So this information is going to tell you more about your audience and then also if your ads are being successful. So if you're getting people to click on your ad and they're clicking and you're like well within your budget, so maybe it's costing you less than a dollar for somebody to get to click on your link in your ad to visit your website and they're coming to your website, but they're not doing anything, then that's a sign your ad is working. Your website information is not, or there's a disconnect there somewhere. Mm. So you can start to understand like when, when some things are working and others are not, and you're not getting to that end result of a sale, then you start to look at where are they dropping off? Where is this disconnect? What are we missing? That's not getting them close enough. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what it is, is that they aren't ready to buy the first time that they come to your website. They need to um, lengthen that relationship with you before they trust you enough to make that purchase. So that's when it comes in handy to put out another ad. Um, and we can get more into that if you want to. Or <laughs> I get, No, I... I love, no, I love it. I, I was just sitting here thinking like, I love all the like super techie stuff. Um, it might be like super boring to some people, but I, I feel like it's one of those things that you just, you have to learn to understand at some point. And it's, it's good to dive into because so many of us, when we start a business are just throwing spaghetti at the wall and we don't, you know, to us, it's, that's how you track it is. Okay. Did I make any money? Like, you know, there's nothing really to go on or how to change things, or you just don't know like what things to do to tweak here and there to fix certain problems and to go as deep as you just did of like, okay, like, this ad clearly worked because it got people to my website, but then they're not actually buying. So then, you know, something needs to be changed here. I mean, that, that makes so much sense. And it tells you kind of exactly where you need to change versus just not having any idea where to even start. So I think that's all really good. And I I love the, the deep, deeper dive into the ads and, and things like that. Cause that's not something like we've gone into super heavy on this show. So that was definitely, I really, I like that. I like geeking out about this stuff. <laughs> it teaches me stuff too. I'm like, oh, I should be taking notes. <laughs> if we can nerd out for other people's benefit, then heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, it's so good. Um, yeah, I think that's all, that's all really helpful and definitely like a good starting point for people to kind of just know like, okay, step one, if I want to run an ad, like this is where I need to, where I need to go and kind of the basics of what they should be looking for, um, I think is all, is all really important. Um, so as a business owner yourself, what would you say kind of have been like some of your bigger struggles that you have faced during all of this? I mean, you've grown this successful business, but I'm sure it wasn't easy living rurally. I mean, I really like to have those connections of real life. You know, that's kind of my whole thing with this show is we are real life. We have kids, we have families, we have farms and ranches, and we're also trying to do these other things that we're passionate about. Um, you know, clearly my child was here making his debut on the show. So it's, it's not always like sunshine and rainbows all the time. And, um, you know, I'm sure people can relate, uh, if, if you have any struggles you'd like to share. (laughs) No, absolutely. Um, I think it's going to sound so cliche because I'm sure that every other person who works with business owners has said it, but, um, the biggest challenge for me has always been mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have real problems in our businesses. We have real problems like, how am I going to afford this? Or which way do I go next to grow this business? Or I need new customers or, you know, whatever it is, those are real problems. But the way that we approach those problems is a hundred percent affected by our mindset that we are in. Mm. And for me, those are questions like, um, am I giving people a good amount of value for the prices that I'm charging? Or am I doing the right thing in my day-to-day life? You know, we have a lot of time freedom because we have chosen this lifestyle. How do I make sure that I'm using my time wisely? Like, am I wasting my time by investing my time in this and things like that? So um, knowing my priorities day-to-day and being absolutely certain that the way that I spend my time lines up with those priorities is one of the biggest challenges that I have had. When I um, first started my business, 
I came out of an office job, you know, I worked like 7.30 to 4.30 um, in an, in an office. And so when I started my personal, like work at home job, um, for my business, I was like, well, I should probably do like the same, the same schedule, you know, like that makes sense. That's really efficient. Yeah. And I, (laughs) I was paying for daycare. So what I would do is I'd go drop my kids off at daycare and I'd come home and I'd sit right down to my laptop and I would not look up from my laptop until four 30. Um, because I was like, my kids are at daycare. I'm paying for daycare. I have to make sure my business allows me to continue to pay for daycare and make money, or I might as well just have them at home and not be doing this business at all. Yeah. Um, so that was how I was approaching that situation. And it burnt me out really bad because you can't sit and look at your laptop (laughs) from seven 30 to four 30 without eating or looking up or doing anything else. Um, and I just, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself really for no reason. And how I've kind of learned to overcome that is that I work much more efficiently when I feel like fulfilled in my life. And I know that I'm focusing on things that matter to me. Mm-hmm. I can get a lot of things done and the more important work in less time when I approach it that way versus just like, I have to be glued to this computer and super stressed out the whole time. Um, and also you never realize how efficient you can be until your work today gets cut to two hours because you have kids at home. That's when you really are like, okay, it's now or never. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tell me about it. I feel like, like I have this episode in my head that I'm like planning on doing in the future all about that because man, could I relate to that and talk a lot about that. You literally, I I mean, there were days before kids where I was like, I just don't have enough time to do all the things I want to do. And now I just want to go back and like slap that version of myself. Like you have no idea how much time you have. And, you know, it's, yeah, your work day gets cut to two hours, a few hours a day, whatever that looks like. I mean, and it's, it's crazy how much you can get done if you really do kind of hone in on priorities and things like that. Um, and, and like you said, not like your schedule is probably not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Cause I did similar, like a similar thing where it was like, okay, I have to set up you know, working hours, like nine to five, like that's going to be my working in my business. And even taking kids out of it and like the time that they take up, you know, even if it was just me sitting there, like you said, glued to your laptop is not going to be the most productive thing. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to get just brain dead after a while. And so I've found it just to be so much more helpful for myself to like do things in chunks. Like, okay, I'm feel really productive in the morning. So like I'll get up and do something, you know, do this certain task for my business in the morning for an hour or two. And then you know, go make the beds and fold the laundry and cook breakfast and whatever, and then come back and do a little bit more and then go outside for a little bit and then come back. And I mean, it's, there might be people out there that say that's not the most productive way of doing things. But to me, it's like, it kind of gives my brain a moment to relax. I can kind of go get re-inspired by doing things that don't require me to mentally be straining myself as much. And then I can come back when I feel kind of inspired or have, have a minute. So I definitely can relate to you on that and, and just kind of figuring out what works for you. And it probably looks different for everybody. Maybe people want to just cram everything into the beginning of their day or at the end of the day, or maybe they want to break it up throughout the day. But I think you kind of just got to figure out what works for you. Um, cause it's going to look different from everybody. And you know, there's those 
gurus out there that are like, if you're not waking up at 3.30 in the morning, then you're not going to be successful. <laughs> I always There's something I notice about those gurus is none of them are mothers. So <clears throat> I don't yeah. listen to them anymore because they have a different life than I have. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so true. It's so true. They just, their lifestyles are so different. And I've, I've thought about that too. Cause I, I drank the Kool-Aid for a while and I was like, oh, they're right. Like if I, I have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning every day, and then I have to write down my three like journal things. And then I have to do all the things that they tell me to do. And if I don't, then I'm a loser. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't have to do those things. You can if you want to, but you definitely don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. A lot of it is just like when whatever schedule works for you, when you're feeling inspired, um, that's when you're going to do your best work. And that's when you're going to be able to connect with people who care about the same things that you care about most. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody wants to hire, like if we're talking about freelancers or people who work with customers, Nobody wants to work with a person who is just stressed out and like trying to constantly meet deadlines. Like they want to work with somebody who really believes in what they're doing and you can't believe in what you're doing. If you're just completely focused on, you know, meeting X, Y, Z standards, you have to do what feels good to you. And that's going to be what allows you to connect with other people that believe in the same things you do. Yeah. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. Just building that community around, like-minded people it's it's really important especially I mean I could say this probably a million times but especially in rural communities and stay-at-home moms or work-from-home moms I mean it's it's a whole different lifestyle than what a lot of people are used to and so it can be really isolating and I think having people even if it's an online community just having people in your corner that can relate and understand can be really really helpful for your mindset like you said mindset's a big thing so that's really cool um, well, I do have one more question before I let you go and, uh, and before we get into where people can find you. Um, so my question that I like to ask people is what is the last thing that you Googled and I you can check was, if you need to, <laughs> idea. I think it was something super random, but I'll, yeah. I always love these answers. I'm like waiting for somebody to tell me something really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I Googled a recipe for a steak marinade because I am marinating a steak for supper tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's yummy. So, Very uh, cool. I love that. We always love a good, good recipe. I feel like I've been doing that a lot lately. I've been diving really deep into the whole making everything from scratch. And so <laughs> there've been a lot of Google searches around food and things like that. There's so much to learn there. I've been doing the same thing and it's like all the things you never knew you never knew is what you discover. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's like, it's the same thing as just even like working in a business. I'm like, get so passionate about it in the beginning. I'm like, this is great. Everything's going to be made from scratch. And then I get to like certain nights and I'm like, why did I do this? This is so much work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much, Lexi, for sharing all the things that you have shared and, and your deep dive into ads, I think is going to be so helpful. And that definitely taught me stuff. Um, and I know that you host your own podcast, um, farming on purpose is what it's called, um, which is super cool. And everybody should definitely go check that out. Um, and what's kind of like your main thing that you talk about on your podcast? Yeah. So mainly we talk about how to help 
farm families be stronger, build stronger businesses to build a stronger food system. So it's kind of like tying all the links together of like, we have to be um, strong individuals personally to be able to have strong businesses. So we have to be fulfilled. We have to be healthy uh, to continue the legacies that have been built in agriculture. And we have to shift and change with the times to make sure that those businesses are going to last for the next generation. Mm. That's what we focus on there. Mm, so good. I've listened to a few episodes and it's really good. So definitely go check that out if you're listening. Um, but where else can people find you? Where should people go to learn more from you and hang out with you and work with you and all the things? Yeah, you bet. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at right at the moment. And right is like my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T. It's a little play on words. Um, and then my website uh, for my podcast, farmingonpurpose.com. You can also find all of my marketing stuff there. I am getting ready this year to launch a learning opportunity. I don't know quite what it's going to look like yet, but it's going to be a community for people who want to learn to do their own advertising based on the data that's available to them because it's a huge gap in agriculture, especially, um, but also just in online marketing in general of people who know what to look for in terms of your data to help you get the results you need when you advertise. So um, I'm going to be teaching people how to do that. Oh, that's such a good segue after what we talked about today. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Cool. Well, Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm really excited for everybody to listen to this and um, hear how it, how it's changing them and benefiting their businesses and just for sharing your lifestyle and about mom life and all the things. So I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this episode. So thank you for being here. You've just finished another episode of the Every Successful Rancher podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Every Successful Rancher and join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. For the mega fans of the show or anyone wanting to show support, you can join our Patreon and get early released episodes as well as listen ad-free. The link will be in the episode description. If you like what you heard, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. One minute of your time can be a game changer for the show. Plus, it helps other amazing rural women find us and join the party. If you would like to sponsor or advertise your business on Every Successful Rancher, please head to sarahelrod.com slash sponsor ESR for more information. Thanks again for being here and I'll talk with you in the next one.